Hello, welcome to this podcast from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Um, I'm Dr Lucy Williams, I'm a council member and I'm an SAS doctor working in Swindon. Today I'm joined by Dr Jill Horn and um, Dr Caroline Kane and we're going to be talking about return to work. So um, Jill, um, I know you've been um, uh, very involved in the GAS Again course to help people get back into work. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into that. Hello, yes, I'm Jill Horn. I'm a consultant in Bradford. Um, my interest in return to work, I suppose, was generated because I had periods of absence myself during uh, all stages of my training, actually. Um, so I had time off both as a, when I was an SHO, junior and senior registrar, and even as a consultant for maternity leave and for travel. And I was lucky that uh, most of those return to work uh, experiences were really positive, but I had one terrible one. <laughs> and I found out on discussing that with other people that unfortunately uh, not everyone got a very positive return to work experience, and I felt I wanted to try to address this. Um, so uh, along with colleagues uh, from some London hospitals initially, uh, we uh, developed a collaborative group to develop the Gas Again course, which specifically supports anaesthetists coming back to work after a period of absence. Um, and uh, in the last nine or ten years, we've learned an awful lot about uh, how that process can be um, streamlined to make it more uh, smooth for all so, uh, Caroline, um, your um, experience is rather different. You're much mm -hmm. earlier on still in your training. Tell us about your return to work. Why? Because it's it's not maternity leave. No. It was for another reason. Hi. Yeah. So I'm Caroline. I'm one of the uh, well. I'm an ST4 trainee in Brighton at the moment, and I'm here today because I've had a recent period out of work on a college uh, fellowship overseas last year in Sierra Leone. Um, that was between my core training and registrar training. Uh, I had previously taken a couple of years out of UK work to go and uh, do some work abroad in South Africa and I also happen to have had a couple of months off um, for bereavement leave at one point um, when my family was abroad in the US. So um, I'm here to talk about returning to work from those perspectives really, specifically after the most recent non-clinical work abroad. Um, I've had very good experiences overall and I think they've become a bit more structured as I've gone through, whether that reflects the kind of the time um, kind of having marched on a bit and this becoming a more well-known issue or uh, whether it is just dependent on who my employer was at the time. Uh, so what were the challenges that you faced in coming back so relatively mm -hmm. early in your career? Yeah, I think um, the challenges I faced coming back from my work in South Africa were quite unique because I was actually quite, I felt quite clinically experienced having started anaesthetics there, uh, but then almost returned to begin again as a CT1 in the UK. And I think the biggest challenge was confidence, um, confidence of, um, kind of being in this system and having a whole new set of expectations and not quite knowing where you fit. Um, I think that was one set of issues. More recently, uh, again, I think confidence is the biggest issue when you've been working non-clinically and you have to step up back into a clinical role in inevitably a kind of busy job with a potentially stretched system. Um, I think the non-technical skills are the hardest to recover, really. Mm. So, Jill, you use a lot of simulation in the Gas Again course. Tell us how that might help in the kind of situation that Caroline's experienced. 
Well, I think the main benefits of uh, simulation are that it gives you an opportunity to have some experience of how it would feel to be back in the workplace, um, but it's a very safe environment. So uh, you can engage fully with that process and see what areas you find difficult. It enables you to look back on your own practice, sort of reflect on it, areas that you need to develop, areas that might become challenges when you're returning to work, um, and hopefully use that experience to better plan your return to work, knowing which areas to focus on, uh, which areas actually you find very straightforward and you can sort of stop worrying about. And so I think it's about um, giving you an opportunity to rehearse what's going to happen when you return to work, um, an opportunity to find out your gaps, but also just to build your confidence um, and, uh, and reflect on your own practice. So what kind of scenarios are you typically using? So we um, try to cover the majority of the working environments that particularly a trainee in Easters is likely to encounter. So we make sure that we don't just focus on theatre experiences but think about what might be encountered on delivery suite, intensive care uh, or in the emergency department. Um, we try not to throw people in at the deep end so we'll always run a sort of practical workshop beforehand where people can refresh some of their basic skills, familiarise themselves with emergency algorithms for example but then do a scenario that might include a critical incident occurring in one of those environments and by doing it in that, in that um, simulated environment, you get to try out the team working, the leadership and the supervisory aspects of practice. Um, and it's not so one dimensional as just talking through it. Um, and throughout the course of the day, uh, people will have an opportunity to work in different teams um, and uh, to, to reflect as a group about how they might make that return to work more smooth bearing in mind what they've seen in the simulated scenarios. So it's not mandatory to do a return to work course in any way. Do you have any evidence from the work that you've done that there are advantages? Have you, have you got any data on, on the confidence of people coming back to work? Yes, we, we have um, collected information from people both before they come on a course and at the end of the course. Um, and uh, undoubtedly uh, the, the commonest comment is that they feel more confident as a result of doing it and I think, I think that is probably the biggest benefit. Um, we, whether that translates into um, increased uh, skill level or a, a quicker resumption of skills in the workplace we don't have the evidence for but we do know that people can uh, develop the emotional response better by having attended such a course, having had an opportunity to think and talk about how they might be feeling, so that actually they're better prepared to, um, to refresh those skills when they return to the workplace. Caroline, you said that your experiences were a little bit different. What, what kind of specifics happened for you, perhaps particularly when you were coming back into an ST3 post with the additional responsibility that that would involve over core training? So I had contacted my college tutor in advance and had a really positive response from her about planning a return to work program as soon as I arrived back. Um, I was in a new deanery, so it was uh, 
the department was all new to me, but um, she she basically made the time to elicit what concerns I had and what areas I felt like I'd need to build up again before starting uh, on calls, for example. So I specifically felt like I needed obstetric experience because I hadn't done any obstetrics in about a year at that point. Um, and we made sure that I had a series of lists supervised before I went on call. Um, and that was generally well received by the department and it, um, it happened without much kind of resistance at all. Um, we also, I also attended a recess update. Um, and I think importantly, I completed a couple of assessments with other consultants uh, on the job and I had feedback from them, which was really helpful because I think having good feedback actually boosts your confidence quite a bit, maybe even more so than like the practical tasks. Um, so that was that was quite useful as well. And once we'd had a follow-up meeting to confirm, I was happy that I went back on call and and everything was quite smooth. Yeah. So Jill, um, that's their training perspective, but obviously there are lots of people who have time out of work later on when they're either in an SAS grade or a consultant grade. And when they come back to work, particularly as consultants, they're gonna come back with potentially quite a lot of responsibility coming straight back at them. Um, is, is there anything in your um, course or any suggestions that you have for people um, in that kind of situation rather than the training situation? I think um, how people find their return to work is often governed very much by the type of absence that they've had and their reason for going off work, which can, I think, broadly be split into positive reasons for being away. In other words, you were off for something that you uh, knew was coming, you were wanting to do, whether it was a period of time abroad, whether it was parental leave, for example. Uh, it was planned, you could, you could work around that and it's a positive experience um, or whether somebody has gone off work suddenly or becoming unwell for example and and I think that's probably a, a, has a bigger impact than what stage of training or what stage of the process that you're you're at actually however I think the important thing to bear in mind is when you return when, when you're working as a consultant or uh, an SAS doctor you're likely to be undertaking mostly independent quite often a lot of solo practice and therefore returning to work when you probably need a period of supervised practice to gain your confidence, find out what skills need refreshing etc. can be very difficult because you may not be that used to working with other people of the same or, or similar grade to yourself. Um, but I do think it's about having that plan, about understanding about the, both the, the parties involved having some uh, input into how that is structured, who would they find it helpful to work with, which theatres for example would they find it helpful to work in, how is that relationship going to be uh, going to develop. Quite often having a small number of consultants who can you can work with when you go back rather than just a random group of people across the department will be helpful. So it's about having that dialogue as to what that individual would find useful bearing in mind the practice and the situation they were in before they went off, which I think has a, a, a big bearing on, on what needs to be put in place for somebody coming back to work. Um, are there any other sort of specific challenges from your experience of coming back to work after a period of sick leave? I think after sick leave, um, I think 
the biggest, I think after, after any period of absence, actually, a lot of it is about making a realistic plan and having a realistic time scale to what that return to work is going to look like and at what stage you will be working at the level that you intend to work at, which may be different to the level that you were or the, the intensity of work that you were doing when you went off. So um, I think if somebody's been off because they're unwell, then actually it takes time to build up stamina again. It takes time to build up confidence. There may be physical changes uh, that mean some tasks seem harder now than they were before they were off unwell. Um, and so having the support from your occupational health, uh, from your own GP and your other specialist doctors about how that process can be made more manageable so that you can focus on what you can do um, and, and just take time to get there, not be in any rush and have a supportive employer who will um, allow you to go at your own pace. In terms of um, women and completing training, I don't know whether it's still the case, but historically um, women have taken time out of work for parental leave and then not completed their training. Um, do you think, as a in, with a head of school hat on, is that something that you think is getting better? Um, I don't have the data, I don't have the actual numbers to look nationally, but my, uh, my impression is that actually the majority of trainees are completing their training, including whether they've taken time out for parental leave. Um, there are still more uh, women training less than full-time, uh, so it may take longer to complete their training, but they are completing it. Uh, and, uh, and having you know, exactly the same skills and, and attributes at the end of that training as whether they haven't taken that time out of practice. It's just taken them a little bit longer and it's required a little bit more strategy to get there. Mm -hmm. Yes, and of course, um, for, for some people, completing the training programme, whether they've had time out of work or not, is, is, is not necessarily the best way for them to mm -hmm. go. And there are other career options mm -hmm. that you can stay in anaesthesia and um, perhaps take a specialty doctor post um, so that you can keep doing the job you enjoy, but perhaps not have the, the pressures of training as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's the key to all of this, is having a, an individualised approach where that particular anaesthetist sees themselves, what their personal ambitions are, and what their ambitions are outside of the workplace as well, because it's all about getting the balance. And, and um, yes, there are many ways to, uh, to enjoy profession. So, um, Caroline, um, as still a much younger than me and Jill doctor, um, uh, possibly you're going to have um, a periods out of training in the future. You might go abroad again. You've done that a couple of times already. Um, from what you have learned, what would that look like for you if it was a really good return to work? A really good return to work kind of setup. Yeah. Um, I think ideally, as Jill said, if something is planned, that's probably the most beneficial. Um, ideally having uh, a supervisor or a mentor that you can contact in advance, um, someone that you can speak honestly with about what your needs are, um, and then feeling as though that, as though you're not kind of pressured one way or another into what you need to do and when, um, and, and just having that kind of individualized timeline for things. Um, I think for me having a network or um, connection to other people who've gone through a similar 
procedure is also really helpful. Um, and I don't think that necessarily exists yet. I've been lucky a few times with knowing a trainee or two in the region who've been abroad to the same areas I have and coming back and just meeting up with them frequently to discuss how things are going. In terms of the transition you make in your life between moving and hopping from one place to the next, is um, that's really useful. I think that sort of um, that network potentially would be quite useful. Yeah, um, so peer support. To, yeah, if I was yeah. to go and do something similar again. Mm. Mm. Obviously, if you have um, time out, Caroline, it's it's going to sort of put gaps into your career progression. Has that been a concern for you? Um, yes, so that's something I've thought about. Uh, I think when you've had time out of training and you've maybe taken a slightly different path to your peers, um, I've certainly worried about whether I've had as much kind of opportunity in terms of CV, CV building activities or progression uh, in the way that others have um, sort of non-clinical sort of work and I think especially if you've had time out depending on what the reason for that is you might not necessarily have um, the potential to balance your time and do the extracurricular work um, that your colleagues are doing um, I, th I think that is a little bit of a concern but obviously it can be overcome so Jill, your um, Gas Again course is very much clinically focused. Um, do you have any advice for people coming back to work on the non-clinical side of things, so the CV building stuff that Caroline's just mentioned? Um, again, I think it's about being realistic to some extent. I think if you've been away um, undertaking the kind of things that Caroline's been doing abroad, that is a huge CV building experience in itself actually and there are lots of people taking time out for similar non-clinical activities that in themselves are just fantastic in terms of developing transferable skills of leadership and management and such like so I think for that type of thing it's probably uh, less of a worry I think if you're unwell or if you're taking time out to focus on your family commitments or you're looking after an ill relative or something like that I think there is an understanding that your CV is not going to be being developed during that time. And I think when you come back to work, it's about remembering that that is there and needs to be looked at, but it may not be the priority and you'll get round to it in due course. And I think it's, as Caroline said, it's talking to people who've had those experiences, talking to the people around you and asking you know, how you can get involved in projects that are already going. Um, but actually not overwhelming yourself at the time you're coming back to work because I think that will come in its own, uh, its own time anyway um, and actually you have to take one step at a time and uh, getting back into clinical work, enjoying that job has to be the first thing that, that you do because that's what it's all about and then taking your, the rest of your CV development that sounds like excellent advice and I'd like to thank you both for talking to me today about returning to work and how that can be supported. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Please note that all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists. <laughs>